Hey guys, welcome back to the Relentless Podcast. This is week 16, and we are here, uh, we being Mike Fraunfelder and Seth Wistoff, we are here to talk today about the topic of fortitude, or mental toughness. And this is something that, uh, uh, what's going on in our culture today, especially with the coronavirus and the the difficulty that has uh, entered every person's life has uh, really been a blessing in a way that it's challenged us. It challenged us to be uh, more resolved, uh, tougher mentally, or to develop fortitude. And uh, we have defined this topic of fortitude um, this way. Fortitude is the strength of mind that enables a person to encounter danger and bear pain or adversity with courage, and uh, fortitude is a is a um, part of our life that is uh, important for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete, if you're a coach. Uh, it's required in the business place. It's required as a parent. It's required uh, in marriage. Um, that uh, that idea of being tough mentally and being able to overcome adversity. Through the courage that we have that comes from our faith is a uh, profound thing. And as I said, I really believe this time that we're going through right now with pandemic and everything has challenged us because we have this way of making life as easy as possible. And the pandemic has forced us to come out of that comfort zone a little bit, to, to adjust to life rather than trying to adjust life to us. And as we thought about this passage, as we thought about, or not this passage, we thought about this topic of being mentally tough, we came across a passage of scripture we wanted to share with you. This comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 through 21. And this is the call of Elisha. So Elisha was the one who God has anointed to become uh, the next prophet of Israel. And uh, it's Elijah, his hero, that's going to be the, doing the anointing. And uh, just to set the stage, understand who Elijah was. Elijah was uh, a rock star at that time. He was known for the 14 miracles that he had performed. He's, he's just coming off this incredible encounter with the 400 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of the groves and he throws down the gauntlet and he challenges them um, we're going to find out today who the real God is you guys set up your offering and I'm going to set up my offering and we'll call on our God and see who responds so the the prophets of the grove and the prophets of Baal they set up this their their offering and they go through all their incantations they start cutting each other and chanting and singing and and nothing happens and and Elijah sits there and he mocks him and he says uh, maybe he's asleep your god or maybe he went off to the bathroom that's why he can't hear you and then it, can't, it comes to Elijah's turn and he ta- he turns to the offering and uh, he sets it up and and even to rub it in their face a little bit he pours water over it and then he does a very simple thing which we all should do especially in times of adversity he prays. He says, God, show them who you are. And then God sends down fire from heaven and consumes the offering. And on that day, the world knew who the one and true God is. So this Elijah shows up 
on a farm to have an encounter with a young man named Elisha and to call him to follow after him. And here is where the text picks up, verse 19. Elijah went there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him, and he threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen, and he ran after Elijah. He said, Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go, go back home, Elijah replied. Elisha said, What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back home. He took the yoke of or he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. And he burnt the plowing equipment and he cooked the meat and he gave it to the people to eat. Then he set out to follow after Elijah. So here's a picture. Your hero shows up. Jordan shows up at the gym that you're shooting in. Uh, Peyton Manning shows up as you're working through field drills and says, I think you could be like me. Come, follow me. That's what was happening with Elisha. And I'm sure he was overwhelmed by this opportunity that was laid before him because what was he doing before? He was working hard with his hands, um, engaging in the family business. And, and now he had this opportunity just to, to follow after a guy that he had revered and heard the stories about. And when he asks a legitimate question, hey, can I go home and tell mom and dad goodbye? It's almost like his dream is being snatched away. Elijah's like, go away. Why? Because you're not all in. You're not fully committed. And what Elijah does, what this, or what Elisha does, this young man, I think is profound. He goes home, but then he, he slaughters his <coughs> oxen. He breaks the pieces, uh, the farming equipment, gives away the meat to, uh, to the locals. What he's doing is he, he's destroying plan B because he wants to be fully and wholly committed to what God has called him to do, which is uh, be the, success, the successor to Elijah. And we know that anything in life, if we're going to be successful, it requires fortitude. We can't have a plan B. And we see that play out in the life of Elisha. So... We wanted to start today by uh, drilling down, so to speak, on this idea of fortitude. How is it that we develop fortitude? Because so often we tell people, you need to be mentally tough. Okay, You need to have fortitude. You need to be able to overcome adversity. But how? You know, one of my pet peeves is coaching high school athletes when, when somebody will look at a high school athlete and say to them, Oh, that person's soft. I think to myself, that's a 15 to 18-year-old. Of course they're soft mentally. They've not even been exposed to life. It's our task to show them how to develop mental toughness, how to, de de to develop fortitude. And we've got three things that we want to share with you today. The first being finding a hero. And so when we look at uh, finding the hero, uh, we looked at them having, uh, you know, two different characteristics uh, that you're going to look for in a hero and um, you know depending on whatever it is the task that you're doing uh, what you want to accomplish that hero might look different uh, but for football players oftentimes and I've done this with uh, a lot of the guys that are on our team right now is I told them to find a hero is to pick somebody in the NFL that you want to play like 
that you want your game to look like um, and then pay attention to it. You know, em emulate their uh, or imitate, you know, their style, their the swagger that they play with, the, the intensity that they play with, the physicality that they play with. Um, and I use, for example, um, when I was in college, um, I played a tight end and my my guy that I wanted to to follow after was Heath Miller. Uh, he was a, a tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they liked to pound the rock um, in the days of Jerome Bettis and Willie Parker. And um, because of that, that was the type of guy that I, I wanted to be as well. Um, and uh he didn't. Uh, he caught some passes. He went out on pass routes. He and he could catch the ball, but but his main his main function was he needed to make sure that he could take a guy on the edge and move him around. And in doing that, I I set my my bar high. You know, it wasn't. I wasn't going to be able to just show up to practice every day and kind of do my thing and be, become like uh, Heath Miller. I was going to have to work both on and off the field in the film room um, to to really hone my craft so that I could keep up with um, you know what he was able to do. You know, and, and in this group or in this uh, podcast, we've talked about competence, and that was uh, you know being able to do things at an elite level. And, and so that's really what we challenge our kids with is, uh, and in this, this area of finding a hero is find someone who can do what you want to be able to do at an elite level, at the, the highest level that you can think of, because what's go that's going to keep you from doing is, is settling, yep. you know, for any, anything that's less. Yep. And, and, and it's important to emphasize doing it at an elite level because anything that's worth doing, we need to do it our very best. And when we look for a hero, we want to see somebody that's doing it at a, at a very high capacity. And here's why. Because we want to learn from their strengths. We want to learn from the things that they do incredibly well. And then try to mimic those things or apply those principles to our life. But we also want to learn from their failures. Because there's a lot of learning that comes from failure. You know, oftentimes we're so f afraid of failing that we don't even try new things. But we can learn from failure. Uh, I mean, there's the, the great axiom that comes from the life of Thomas Edison where he's interviewed and they ask him, uh, Mr. Edison, uh, it took you a thousand tries to, to invent the light bulb. Uh, do you feel like a failure? And he says, of course not. I just learned 999 ways uh, not to make a light bulb. But he learned a lot of different things in the process. And I think so often um, the destination is our focus. But really the journey should be the focus is because that's, that's where the learning takes place. That's where the growth takes place. You know, and the, so the next piece is the competent is somebody that can do the things that you want to do at an elite level. Then the next uh, area is character. Somebody who can do those things while living the way that you would like to live. Mike, do you have any examples of people who showed that? Yeah, like when we're talking about this idea of heroes and looking for heroes, we want guys that live in such a way, or women that live in such a way that we respect how they live. We want what they have. And... Uh, we defined um, character as a repeated experience of doing what's right regardless of the circumstance. And when I was a freshman in high school, as part of an, an incredible football program with incredible tradition, um, but the one thing that I did notice uh, during that freshman year is that the majority of the senior class 
was not particularly kind to the freshmen. Uh, this is uh, the era of, uh, as they called it, initiation. Okay, Now, I didn't have to suffer through that, but I saw some teammates that did. But in the midst of all of that, there were two guys, uh, Paul Culver and Tony McGovern. These two seniors went out of their way to make the freshmen feel a part of the team. Uh, they were so good to us as far as encouraging us and pushing us on and, and telling us that uh, we're a part of the team and uh, just making us feel like that we were at home. Uh, when we're out on the field and we're going through drills, they were the guys, of course, that are at the front of the line. But after their rep is over, they're coaching up the guys in the back of the line because they know that they're about to do something that they've not done before. Uh, these guys were the heart and soul of the program. These are the guys who laid the foundation of character for that program. And these are guys I look back to even to, to this day and think, I want to be like those guys. Um, fortunately, I can call uh, Paul a friend uh, still to this day. And uh, he's a guy who now leads the program that I was once part of as the head coach. And unfortunately, Tony, he went to be with the Lord all too soon. But I can also say, even with that, uh, Tony lived a life that encouraged others why he was here on this earth. And uh, what a better, is there a better thing to be said of a person? I don't think so. No, that's truly uh, being a hero as when somebody wants to be like that. Yeah. So, step one uh, towards fortitude is finding a hero. Step two is choosing to do something hard. Find something difficult in life and engage yourself in it. Um, and as we looked at this, this aspect of developing fortitude, uh, we broke it down to two pieces as well. The first is do something that is challenging. And what do I mean by challenging? Something that is going to push you. Something that is going to require uh, your very best. You know, it's, it, it's not much of a goal to sit down and write out a list of things that we can do right now, and we're certain we can accomplish it. But it is a far different thing to set the bar so high that you're not sure if you're going to get there. But if you're willing to put in the time and put in the work, when you get there, the value that comes from that is uh, uh, you, you can't even calculate it. You know, and I, As I was thinking about this, I, I went back to my college football days again and uh, it, went to my summer workouts you know all after the season after your freshman year the whole spring you you lift and stuff and you have some running um things on the you know in intertwined with all that um and it's tough but then you come into the summer and you're getting ready for the season and you take these lifts that you've been doing and you you do those lifts and then you go outside and you run in condition right after it. And it's just back to back. You finish that last set of lifts, you go put your cleats on and get out on the turf and get ready to, uh, to get in shape. And those first, uh, those first few times that I did that, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it. It made me question um, whether I was going to be able to even finish the workout that we were on or that it was worth it you know, to continue doing uh, things that were that difficult. Now, looking back on it, it wasn't as hard as I thought, but but at the time and in the moment, um, we had to make these runs in a certain amount of time. You had a certain amount of time to recover, and then you were going again. It didn't matter if you were still breathing heavy. 
your heart was still beating 200 beats a minute, you had to go into that next rep. Yeah. And man, it was it was tough to start with, uh, but but looking back, I can just see the growth uh, that was taking place that whole time. And as you're talking about that, Seth, I mean, that's the exact same experience that Elisha was about to step into. And I believe that's why Elijah said to him, no, you can't go home and say goodbye to mom and dad because what you're about to face in the coming years is going to be incredibly difficult. And there's going to be doubts in your mind of whether you can do it. But trust me, with God with God at your side, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. And we find out in the life of Elisha that he actually does more um, in the name of God even than Elijah did. Um, so... As we're challenging ourselves to do something hard, uh, we say challenge yourself, set the bar extremely high, but we also say uh, choose something, whatever that is, it has to be consuming. And here's what we mean, that it requires time and energy. I read a, read a book actually entitled Fortitude uh, by Dan Crenshaw. He's a representative from the state of Texas, former Navy SEAL. And he's adamant about... Um, challenging yourself and doing things that are uh, consuming to you. And he, he said, start small. Uh, put yourself in situations where it requires you uh, to suffer just a little bit because it develops fortitude in your mind. And he said, maybe you can start with taking a cold shower. Why? That doesn't make, <coughs> doesn't make any sense for you to take a cold shower. But what he's saying is purposely choosing to do something that's out of your comfort zone so that you can prove to yourself that you can do it. Then take on something that's maybe a little bigger than that. Then take on something that's a little bit bigger than that. I remember <clears throat> when um, I felt the, co the, the call of God to enter into ministry, there were people around me that were very encouraging, but there were also people around me that were like, do you understand how hard the life of a minister is? And I thought to myself, uh, that was not the response I was expecting. Uh, I was expecting you to be very encouraging. But what they were saying is very true, not just of a pastor, but of a leader. Because as a leader, it is all-consuming. Um, all eyes are always going to be on you, and there are going to be two groups of people that you'll deal with. One that says, everything you do is awesome, which isn't true, by the way. <laughs> and then another group that says, everything that you do is terrible and you should just quit which isn't true either but you have to make this conscious choice who is it that you're going to believe those two voices or the voice of god that just says follow me follow me invest yourself and at that time in my life i was married i had two children and i was working three jobs and for me to to step into ministry it required adding school on top of that and i thought to myself man this is this is going to take everything. And I remember praying about it and God just asking me, do you think I'm worth it? And that's a very simple answer, right? <laughs> but for me to answer that, it was all consuming. So whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going to engage in, whatever it is, that difficult thing that you're going to take on, are you willing to count the cost? You remember the, the passage in the New Testament where... Um, the guys come to Jesus and they say they, they want to be his disciples. And, and Jesus responds to him and he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself daily, take up your cross and follow me. What's he saying? He's saying, do you understand the requirement? 
that it's got to be all consuming. You got to be all in. And I can tell you, sitting here, not just as a pastor, but as a believer in Jesus Christ, it is worth it to be all in. Because the blessing that we receive, would you agree, Seth, is far more than the price that we pay as we pursue something difficult and that's consuming. Yeah, because what happens is we start to understand uh, what we're capable of. And so often we sell ourselves way short. High school athletes, they sell themselves short all the time. Um, just this last week, I was watching uh, um, a kid try to do some deadlifts, and he was uh, he he couldn't get it. And he was, uh, you know, he after it he said got out of the rack and he was like, oh, you know, just kind of head down everything like that. He goes back in there the next time, and a couple guys started hooting, hollering, and he gets it, and all of a sudden this look came over his face, like, mm. "Fine, we're gonna get this," and boom, yeah. same weight that he just had, yep. and, and it's up. And the only thing that changed was is he he was he was now willing to do what it took, you know, to to make that happen, and that that kind of ties into our last point here of when we're after we find a hero, and after we've we've decided that we're, we're willing to do something hard. And now what needs to happen for it to continue is we need to hold ourselves accountable. Um, and the piece of holding yourself accountable that that's always stuck out to me and uh, that helps kids uh, build mental toughness is something that I, I got from my college coaches again. And he said, you always got to control what you can control. And the two things that you're always in control of are your effort and your attitude. And we always have to have um, this effort has to be the best effort that we can give. And our attitude always has to be a positive attitude. And we had one more, uh, we had another coach that he w he put this to the test on one of our uh, winter conditioning things in the morning. So we got up and those runs started at six o'clock and, and they, they put us into teams and we were doing different sorts of agility, different sorts of races and things like that. And then we got to, got to this guy's and he had the he had the cones stacked against you, so you had to you had to like hop over three cones and then you had to weave in and out. Well, on the one side you were weaving about a five yard weave in between each of them, and on the other side it was about three yards, and and we did uh, we went through it, and the team that I was on was on the big side, and we lost, and he started chirping at us like. Like, come on, you guys, why aren't you doing that? And I remember I went like this, and, I, and he he turned around quickly at me, he looked, and he's like, who just did that? Who just blew their lips? And uh, and I was I was embarrassed at the time. And uh, but what what he was doing was he was making us control our attitude because whether the odds are stacked against you or not, you need to. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation with him later during the day and, and we kind of came to that realization. I told him I understood it and I, I apologize for, for blowing my lips at him. But, uh, but are we willing to do that? Are we willing to keep a positive attitude when things aren't fair, when things are stacked against us a little bit? Because the truth is in life, things are going to not go our way. We're going to feel like things are stacked against us. And you have one of two choices. Focus on what you could control, your attitude and your effort. Or be the victim. Where's the victim get you? You know, it, I'll tell you where it gets you. It gets you nowhere. It gets you feeling sorry for yourself. And then you surround yourself with other people that want to feel sorry for you so that you can feel sorry for them. And you just commiserate. 
Okay, there's nothing productive out of that. But for us to hold ourselves accountable, it means that we have to remain focused on a task at hand. The things that we can control, just like Seth said, your attitude and your effort in your marriage, your attitude and your effort as you parent, your attitude and your effort as you play athletics, attitude and effort as you coach. And a final piece that we want to share with you in holding yourself accountable is we want to encourage you to sweat the small things. And you might say, well, haven't you heard the saying, don't sweat the small things? And there is something to that, not sweating the small things. But what we're talking about when we tell you to sweat the small things is to engage in a life of discipline. Be disciplined because small things matter. The people who say, who cut corners, the people who say, oh, that's not a big deal. Uh, we don't have to pay attention to that. Watch their life. You'll find that there's very little success there. Why? Because the small things don't mean anything to them. And as I open up this book right here, the Bible, I, I, I find that small things do incredibly big things. There's a passage where Jesus talks about if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we could speak to a mountain and tell a mountain to go throw itself in the sea, and it will happen. And what he's saying is that it takes a very small amount of faith in, in God to do great and mighty things because God is great and mighty. Now, let's apply that to life. If we pay attention to the details, if we sweat the small things, if we live discipline, uh, when we're running conditioning and we're touching the line, it's important, not just for us, it's important for the people who are around us because they're watching us. And it has a long and lasting impact. You know, I was talking to my son the other day. Uh, he's going to be a sophomore um, this year. And uh, during uh, this uh, this pandemic, we've got, uh, we're, we're very fortunate. We've got a group of guys that are working incredibly hard in the weight room. And uh, he is one of them. And uh, we were talking about conditioning. And he was like, man, I just hate conditioning. And I said, uh, everybody hates conditioning. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the purpose of it. But as you approach conditioning this year, here's what I want your mindset to be. I'm going to run this as hard as I can, not for me, because for you it's not a big enough thing. Run it for the guy to the right and to the left of you because they're counting on you. And imagine if we lived life that way. If when we saw adversity, we pressed into it instead of run from it because we know that our choices in the midst of adversity impact the people around us. Uh, we could change the world. Yeah, and, and think about that just throughout our country right now. Um, just a little bit of mental toughness. Now, mental toughness doesn't mean bashing your head through the wall. Mental toughness means, like we said, picking people that you want to live like. Um, taking on things that are difficult and finishing them through and then throughout that whole process holding yourself accountable making sure um, that you are are living out the life that you are designed to live out and we, we have so many people now that they're not interested in that yeah. they, they want somebody else to tell them what to do and to um, and they're just going to get in line they're just going to follow some directions they're going to go home at night, collect their check, and that's it. Mm -hmm. you know. But, but we, never, we never see what our potential is. We never see what we're capable of. We never see of what God's capable of through us um, when we put ourselves in this little box and allow us to be kept there. You know, in generations past, you know, the generation, the greatest generation, they fought off fascism and communism 
Then they came home. They built the greatest economy that the world has ever seen, the one in which we benefit from today, in which we have our comfort. But then they also did an incredible thing. They sent men to the moon. Now, think that that still is profound to me that they they built a machine that had millions of moving parts that sat on top of hundreds of tons of explosive. They put three men on the top and they sent them out of this world to a satellite object. They landed there and came home safely. It took hundreds of thousands of people to accomplish that, to be moving in the same direction. It took incredible fortitude for them to be able to do something of that magnitude. But that fortitude inspired a generation. What if, what if we chose fortitude in the day that we live? That's our challenge to you. So as we close, just want to encourage you guys, find somebody um, to be a hero. Uh, emulate uh, their example. Uh, do something hard, whatever it is, and uh, and hold yourself accountable in doing that because your actions make a huge impact on the people around you. God bless you guys. We love you, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining us.